All right, bro. It's great to see you again. It's it's been yeah. a while. Yeah, good to see you too, man. Yeah, you look great, man. Um, Thanks. How's uh how's everything been going, man? I've been following you guys. It, it seems like you're back to training, which yeah. you know, that's the only new normal I'm fucking worried about. <sighs> yeah, man. Yeah, finally everything's going good. Back to training. Uh, I kind of tweaked my back a little bit, um, but I feel good now. Um, I uh, as you know, like I did that uh, CJJ. Yeah, and I, I watch I watch that man. That was awesome. And like I I I've met Eddie Fivey a couple of times. He's a he's a good friend of a really good friend of mine, Jack Toffer. Mm. Um, so like I I just know who he is. I've met him a couple of times. But um, yeah, like how like what was that like? How is well, that the first time you've done a combat jujitsu match? Yeah. So I was I was just gonna say I did that and like had the weight cut and everything. So I've just been like trying to get my body back to normal. <laughs> but uh um yeah, dude, that uh. The combat jujitsu was amazing. Um, I had been it with Hunter, but it was my first time to do one. Um, yeah, it was so crazy, man. Um, the weight cut was uh, – it shouldn't have been an issue. It really shouldn't have because I've done 145. Um, you know, I used to compete at 145 and stuff, and uh, I was going to be fine on the weight cut, and then right before – two weeks before the tournament, I went to Honduras. And when you're on vacation, you kind of have fun. <laughs> and yeah. uh, <clears throat> so when I got back, I was like 180. Um, and I had two weeks to, uh, to cut like whatever it was, like 180 to 145. Um, and I didn't do a very good job of cutting the weight. I'll just be honest. I was like, well, let me just get it off as quick as I can. So I'll just starve myself. And uh, I made the weight. And then I, I felt confident, like I'll be able to hydrate and I'll feel great tonight. And I started hydrating and started eating. And I had just done something really bad to my body. Um, I... Uh, with, to go into a kind of gross detail i hadn't like i hadn't gone to the bathroom i had taken a piss but i hadn't gone to the bathroom number two for a week leading up to the tournament and then after eating and everything i didn't end up doing it for a whole nother week or two after like my body was just in shock man i basically had to reteach my body how to digest food um so like back backstage i'm eating and the food's going down, but it's stopping like right here. And so I just kept burping up like acid indigestion and nothing would go down into my stomach because I hadn't eaten in like I, I had eaten avocados and then I switched from avocado. I'd eaten like seeds and then there were days that I just didn't eat. Um, not a very good weight cut at all, <laughs> but um I, uh, I made the weight. So I was like, let's just try to eat, get out there and healthy. And yeah, backstage, I was, I was not excited. So when you, Did you watch, have like that heartburn, like while you were in your matches, yes. Oh, yes. I hate yes. rolling with heartburn, man. Yeah. And after my first match, I was like, uh, starting to acclimate and I was like, okay, um, let me just drink a little water and take a Tums. And that kicked me right back into the cycle of acid coming back up. So like I, 
I like, I was happy after my first match. I was like, my body is actually starting to get where I need it to be. And then going into my second match, I felt terrible again. Um, but it's weird. I was like, man, that was my worst performance, but my happiest I've ever been with like doing a jujitsu tournament and the most money I've ever made doing a jujitsu nice. tournament. Like, yeah. It was insane, man. Man, I was um, super excited when I saw you that you were going to do that because is that the first competition you've done in a while? Yeah, I, I really, I really just kind of, I had some personal life stuff go on and I was like, man, um, it, it made me kind of feel weird towards jujitsu and everything. And then, um, and then I opened brothers and I was like, let me just focus on this. And then all my students were like, we, we want to see you compete. So I did a couple like little competitions and, um, this opportunity came up like basically Hunter told me, Hey man, they're looking for somebody to do 145. You should do it. And I was like, yeah, man, I'd love to. So he hit up Eddie and Eddie was like, yeah, he's in. Um, and yeah, at that point it was basically like, Hey, I'm never going to cut weight again. But since this is CJJ, since it's Eddie, like I would love to do any weight. I'll do the 145. I'll make the cut. So if I ever do compete again, um, I'll probably end up competing, but I won't ever cut weight again. I would probably like 170 is the lowest I'll ever compete again. Yeah. Because it just makes it about something else. It makes it not about jujitsu. And I don't like that life. I don't like focusing on food for my life. I like focusing on jujitsu, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I I remember kind of like watching you cut to 45 a couple of times and like – it blow in my mind. Like, I, I, I want to say you had made a cut. So you did this, taught a seminar at my gym like three years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Right. But I want to say like you cut, I'd seen you enrolled with you at probably like 170 around that time. Then you cut to 45 and I was like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. But yeah, I, that, that's I awesome. Cut, you can do that. I mean, yeah, if you I have cut to. to one, I cut to 135 for Nogi Worlds. And so I knew I could make the weight, but my performance at Nogi Worlds was terrible. So I was like, okay, don't ever do 135 again. And in my mind, I was like, don't ever cut again. But again, like doing one of Eddie's tournaments has been one of my dreams, you know. So I was like, if I can get into 145, I'll I'll do it. And whenever I was talking to him, he was like, yeah, if you ever want to do a higher weight, let me know. Um, So we'll see. I don't know. Right now, I'm really just focusing on uh, my students, you know. Well, that seems to be working too. I would say just just based off – what little I, I I mean I see you guys I'm follow you on Facebook and social yeah. media but it seems like you guys are building an incredible team right yeah that's uh, Hunt, Hunter being uh, also like how how did you and Hunter get together like is he, a, is he like co-owner with you or or just um so the way that it all went down was like um I was I was a blue belt at Triton and then Hunter showed up at Triton. Well, okay, so I was I was at Triton training, and then our buddy Brock was there training, and then Hunter came in, and Hunter came in with uh, a couple of different people. It was like him, Connor, um, this guy Jordan Langston, and then Mason, and um, you know we were all we were all friends. We're like I considered us all brothers, so I was like, hey man, let's open up, or let we started Triton Nogi. That was, uh, you know, I was teaching, I was teaching the Triton Nogi classes and um, 
you know, eventually it was a thing where like, we're going to open a spot. And um, I just decided like, let's call it brothers. And they all hated on it for a minute. But I was like, this is definitely going to be the name. It's definitely going to fit. I like, um, I like your, your logo too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Omar French, for that. <laughs> Man, Omar is so creative. Like, yeah, he, he, really he was is. on the podcast, but like the cartoon characters he's doing right now and yeah. like all yeah. his gear, I'm just like yeah. always, I'm like, he's got an Omar French clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, so um, I kind of forgot what I was saying. Um, we um, up all brothers. brothers. Yeah, yeah. So we opened up uh, our own spot. And at that time, um, it was kind of centered around, um, like, I would be the main instructor, and then Hunter would be an instructor, and Connor would be an instructor, and Brock. And then Brock uh, had some stuff going on in his personal life, so he had to stop training. And then Corbin came in. So Uh now... Yeah, so now we we have like we have like a, a, a slightly different group with a slightly di- different dynamic, but basically it's um like Pete helped me open Brothers, and then all of my teammates have helped me keep it going as far as like you know uh, teaching classes. Like Connor and Corbin are teaching the beginners classes, and then Hunter and I are teaching the regular night classes, and then I just teach the morning classes as well. Nice. But uh, yeah, as far as like ownership, Hunter's not getting any profits, <laughs> but uh, but um, I look at it more as like we're all working together to understand how an academy works, um, and that's kind of what Pete did for me. He like showed me how to run the nogi side of things. So that eventually they'll be able, like, they all want their own academies. You know, Connor wants to open up probably an OKC. Um, I'm not exactly sure where Hunter wants to open up. Um, but we always joke, as soon as they go into business, they'll put me out of business. So. <laughs> Man, so Hunter, um, so he turned pro. And then, like, I saw, I saw some people being like, Oh, that's kind of, you know, in, in the comments here and they're like, is this too soon for him to do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, he hasn't had very many fights. Well, right. Did he be doing that? But <laughs> damn it, it's like, is he undefeated as a, is a pro in MMA? Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing that's he had. He, he was talking to me like, should I do amateur? And I was like, yeah, dude, definitely do amateur amateur just to get comfortable because you want to be comfortable. You don't want to get an L on your pro record because a guy was more comfortable, like a guy that you're better than, but he's just more used to it. And I was like, you know, you know, it's a different thing. Just go out there, get an amateur fight. And as soon as he won his amateur fight, he was like, yeah, I'm going pro right away. And uh, I was like, man, let's make that money. You know? Um, I mean, he's been successful and like I've watched his fights and, you know, I was like, I just kind of had seen that people and I knew he had an amateur fight. Now I, I watched his fights and I was like, Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, we're good. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for him. Like w- we've been trying to think about, you know, what his path should be. Um, Cause I just want to support, you know, whatever he wants to do. If he, whatever the path is, if it's B, you know, UFC champion, or if it's something more modest, whatever it is, I I just want to make sure he reaches those goals. And uh, I really think he has the capability. And if I start focusing on him and like, if I can find a, 
like if I can find the formula on what do people need to get to that spot, then he won't be the last person I try to help get there. You know, I could try to do the exact same thing that I'm doing now, helping him that I, I can do that with Corbin. Corbin's like four years younger than him. And we joke like Corbin doesn't think he'll be better than Hunter because we all know how good Hunter is. But I'm like, dude, you're better than Hunter was when he was 21. So when you're 25, how good are you going to be, man? It blew my mind when I found out how young Corbin was. So like, yeah. I drilled with Corbin at the George Valadares seminar uh, yeah, yeah, back yeah. at Omar's. Dude, I saw a picture of George the other day. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> mu think, muscles right here I didn't even know existed. I was like, damn, bro. Yeah. I think we all saw that photo, George. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah. Well, so, speaking of, of like, okay, you, you know, you're thinking about this formula. Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah here, and obviously – some of your equations are working, whatever you guys have going on. What are some things that you're doing at your academy that, I mean, so you've, you've always been creative, inspired me. Like I saw some of your early successes when you're at Purple Belt with leg locks, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it does seem like you, for whatever reason, on, on other, you guys have been a little ahead of the curve. Like what, Yeah. like what is um, setting you guys apart? Well, I would, the things, if I was to take any credit, um, it would be creating an environment that breeds that type of thing. Like I'm always trying to teach to the top of the class. Um, that's why I don't teach the beginners because my brain is like, I, it's not that I hate teaching beginners. It's just like, I want you guys to get past this, to get onto the bigger stuff. And that's always what I'm trying to push my guys with. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong. I, I talked about this in my other podcast, but there's nothing wrong with people putting out a product that fits their needs with what they have with their life. Um, so a way that you can understand that is like, I just have my academy. Like the bills I have to pay are so small. So I just focus on competitors as my product. Like, if I had to have, if I had to focus on my beginner's course, or I had to focus on my student or my uh, kid's course, it might make me kind of change the way I'm teaching or um, change the environment to where it's more family oriented. Nothing wrong with that. Everyone um, that I train with at Triton like respects that type of a environment. I, I want to just have people that want to, train really 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 hard and a lot of people don't want to train that way that's fine but like that's why you see it is because like the people here it's more like a wrestling room it's more like the idea the level of respect isn't like um hey you know make sure you're coming in shaking my hand like that's not respect respect is like train your ass off train so hard because if if i see you sit out around and now this guy doesn't have like a train. I'm going to, I'm going to get on your ass. Like we're, like I said, more of a wrestling room. It's like, I'm constantly pushing the guys to work hard, work harder, work harder, work harder. And then it's a small room. So anytime I see something, I can call my guys on it and like mention it right there. Um, it's like, it's like having a coach instead of having, you know, um, uh, maybe having a professor that has to see over tons of students. Yeah. I'm like, actually there, I'm actually able to talk to my students and like, um, 
I overcoach. I'm just obsessive. And uh, sometimes, you know, they're like, whatever, but like, who, who, I'm not listening to him. But um, usually it comes back around full circle. But like, honestly, it's not, it's not like I made these guys hard workers. They're hard workers and they came to train with me. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. in allowing that environment to happen is really more of what I would say I've done is like, I train hard and I let these guys train hard and I, I try to keep them training hard. I don't ever try to pull them back and say like, Hey guys, make sure we're chilling out unless it's like a spastic white belt, you know? Uh, <laughs> but um, I yeah, I just, I think that there's different environments in academies and the academy that we have is really, really good for success. Um, and I mean, there is like the other side where we're all studying jujitsu and we're all trying to look at the waves. Um, you know, like the wave that we're on right now is uh, like back in the day, I got really into leg locks because I saw how efficient leg locks were and how people weren't studying leg locks. So it would be super easy to leg lock them. Um, as that wave was going, people started realizing you could take the back off those leg entries we were using. Um, so like if I'm in like reverse De La Hiva and I throw my leg over to go to honey hole, as I'm doing that, you can, you can pull your knee out and take my back. And same thing. If you put me in outside Ashi, I can like switch your hips yeah. and take your back off of it. So, and the same thing with like regular Ashi, there's like all these little positions where you can get into what we call the leg ride position or like the truck hooking spot. Um, so I was getting my back taken by Hunter all the time and we weren't really addressing it. I was just slowly moving away from leg locks. And then um, I started trying to figure out what he was doing and we looked at it and I figured out, Oh, okay, this is, this is how he keeps taking my back. So then I started showing, I'm always showing leg locks at my Academy. So I started showing how he was taking my back off those leg locks. So guys started taking the back off the leg locks and other people stopped leg locking. They're like, oh, leg locks don't work anymore. And now we're looking at like uh, Lachlan Giles' is, uh, 90-10 because you can't really get your back taken whenever you're doing the K-guard or the De La Hiva entries into the 90-10 or the backside 50-50. And um, that's really what the main focus has been as far as leg locking goes is uh, the 90-10 in our academy. But past that, the main focus has probably been taking the back um, because you still have guys that are coming in trying to leg lock our guys. So everybody's just like take their back when they're doing that. Um, And then there's also like my path right now is like allow the guy to do whatever back entry or truck entry he's doing and then just focus on flipping the truck. Like that's my main thing right now is just like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. um that's it's super interesting to see the waves too right and, yeah. and then like yeah. like to to be able like so that's one thing i just kind of like brought us to that conversation is like you being able to kind of spot as a coach or a practitioner or yeah. competitor like oh this is a wave and i'm kind of i'm kind of already riding it and yeah. a lot of people are trying to catch it it's yeah you know, but i remember I think- you talking about that you're like how you were developing these back takes like yeah. A couple of years ago when we talked and then I saw Hunter at the gra- at that Gravitas on video hit mm-hmm. that double butterfly back take. Yeah. Uh, which is 
a sick back take. I love it. Yeah. yeah, I think um, I think it I think it has to do with you know being like being on the pulse of jujitsu training, competing, and stuff like that. But then it also has to do with like um, watching video. Like if you're watching video, you're seeing these things. Um, if if you go back and you watch uh, ADCC Worlds the last one that we just had, um, I had been talking to my students about these positions and these back takes. And then as I went through um, ADCC Worlds, the last one, I'm getting screen, I'm screen grabbing videos of the techniques I'm talking about and I'm showing in class and I'm putting them in the group chat. And uh, some of the guys in the group chat are like, stop. <laughs> some of them are just like, yeah, man, that's exactly, that's crazy. It's so crazy. So if you're watching video, then you can follow these trends. But to the untrained eye, you're just like, yeah, he went for his leg and then the guy ended up on his back. You don't really see what's happening. And that's what it was with Hunter and I for a while. I had no idea what he was doing. I just knew every time I go to his legs, he takes my back. So it takes kind of brainstorming. Like it took me uh, rep after rep after rep of getting my back taken to understand what he was doing. Whereas most people just won't ever take the time to try to figure it out. They'll just say, well, I go for his leg. He takes my back. There's no actual um, connecting points. Whereas um, we just kind of broke it down and like really looked at it. But most people don't really take the time, you know? Yeah. I guess like I kind of what I'm thinking when you're talking about is like you're, you're in this jujitsu zeitgeist. You're staying in the jujitsu zeitgeist. You're, yeah. you're up with the spirit of the times. And that's, that's a passive activity, man. Like what you're talking about with like watching footage. I always have to like take notes myself if, I, if I'm watching footage to something extra to keep me engaged. Because it's such a yeah. – I mean, some matches, no. But like, yeah, and you're talking about two high-level guys, and you're gonna you're gonna wait three quarters of the match to see two awesome things, and then it's right. a it's a this guy, you know, one, <laughs> one point, it, yeah, it's something like that. But I mean, so but like what you're saying, like really having the patience to dig in and like, okay, let's break that down. Let's think critically about it. It's yeah, it does help if you know, like if you know there's a technique in the video or in the match that you're wanting to see, it definitely helps. Um, cause yeah, I had the same thing happen where like, you don't want to just watch hours and hours and hours of video. Cause it, it just kind of seems to a certain point, it's like, it all looks the same. But then whenever I tell my students like, Hey, uh, go look at this match of Canuto and the back take he does, and then go look at this match where Gary's doing this against this guy and he does the same back take. Then they're watching it, but they're waiting to see the certain the specific position like they're waiting to see when does he get that we call it the leg ride it's like a pinch on the thigh and um and then you're just trying to figure out like okay that's where he got it that's how he set it up and like i don't know whenever you're just watching video you can definitely get bored um but if you're the coach, like you, just, you got to get bored, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. like a lot of people talk to me about Danaher's videos and they're like, man, sometimes he just repeats the same thing over and over and I get bored watching it. And I'm like, well, I have to watch all of his DVDs to be the best professor that I can, you know, and um, professor, coach, you know, 
I do think there's a difference. I don't know if um, you picked up on that. I, I think there's uh, yeah, a, I've I've kind of went back and forth on that. Like with the uh, like what you're saying about like come shake my hand. I'm like, look, I'm a college professor, and yeah. I still don't. I'm like, yeah, you yeah. guys call me uh, bro. Right. <laughs> right. Call me bro. Yeah. Like, I don't like having to ask people to call me things. Honestly, yeah. I can't ever yeah. visualize myself being like, look, bro, I'm going to need you to start yeah. referring to me by this title. But I yeah. get what you're differentiating between like, you know. Well, like, I mean, I think, I think that there's a professor who a professor is helping you in life and a professor is helping you on the mats. But then I feel like a coach is more sport and competition specific. Yeah. And I do want to be a professor to people that need that. There are people that, I mean, I have young students that need me, honestly, not at all points of their life, but at times of their life needed me to slightly be a father figure. I will totally do that, but that's not my main goal right now. That's later on. I, like I, I see the path and I don't want to step to that path too early because it's a lot of responsibility to be you know, that for some young kid. But um, yeah, whenever they show me respect, like I said, the, the respect should be shown through hard work. I want your respect as my student. And if you don't respect me, then you can't be here. But it's not the same traditional respect that you would see. And uh, with that in mind, my role should be different. I should treat you like not necessarily only one of my students, but one of my athletes that I'm trying to help with their like with their sport you know i don't know if that makes any sense but like it, traveling yeah, it, it does like the idea would be um not every professor is going to travel to see you compete but your coach should travel to see you compete that's the way that i have always taken it is like i need to be there and be a part of this situation so that i can you know take on the label as this person's coach you know um and if I feel that, like if I, do you think both are possible? Like let's say someone oh, like yes, I've seen Donaher yes. run in his class in like three directions. Yes. Oh, Donaher's a great example. Donaher is a great example. He's somebody who I feel like everyone treats him like a professor and he is the professor to the people there. Um, and then he also is the coach of those athletes. That's something that I'm trying to grow into a hundred percent. Right now I'm more like to some students, I am a professor to most of my students. I'm a coach. Because I want that dynamic of where like we can brainstorm. I'm not this thing that's above you. You can come to me with info and it'll help everyone in the class. Um, that's really how I started was like me and a group of four other or three other blue belts. We were all just kind of taking the techniques that we enjoyed and brainstorming and branching off of them. And so I didn't want that completely to go away i didn't want it to be like i'm the professor all you guys circle up and listen like i i, I have the point where like all right guys circle up we all come in together and then like as i dismiss people i'll usually have somebody come up and say like hey check this out real quick and if i think what they just showed is important i just recircle real quick and i'm like hey guys look at this uh I'll, and i'll have the other person show it because i mean I'm a black belt, but now we have like three other black belts in here. So why would I act like I'm the professor and all you guys need to shut up? Like, no, man, we're all here as brothers learning together, you know? Yeah. 
it's fucking crazy. We'll probably have like six black belts on the mat in the we're, next few months. We're promoting, in the next couple years. <laughs> we're promoting five this year from my Wow. Yeah. Congrats, brother. Thanks, Congrats. dude. Uh, Core is one of them. So Hell yeah. That's, that's awesome, a, man. It's going to be amazing. And we're we're trying to uh, have a kid right now. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, she's, she's gonna, and I don't, I, she's going to keep training. I anticipate that she'll train while she's pregnant, you know, yeah. to, to the greatest extent that she can. Uh, but it's, it's awesome to, you know, share that and to be able to yeah. see her achieve that, you know, it's, it's been, yeah. a, she's trained for a long time. Yeah. Well, man, so like, how do you, how do you divide, um, like you've mentioned beginner and advanced, right? I'm fascinated just uh-huh. running a gym. Like we just started having, uh, our advanced classes for like the first time right. since yeah, yeah. I've been open and we do an advanced Nogi. We started doing like Omar does a systems class. I've been talking to him about that uh-huh. for a while. And we started doing that, uh, one day a week, uh, been, been a great success with that. And we yeah. have like some advanced, like after I have a normal class and we bow out, uh and it's just like hey now we're free rolling open mat we almost situationally roll in the beginner the fundamental class or whatever mm-hmm. like how do you guys do it so i never had a beginner's class in the beginning that was something that my students talked me into recently um and i even said like i'm not teaching it like if you guys wanted to and they were like fine we'll teach it we'll teach it. and they were like you'll have new students and like this is this, we have to do this and i was like if you guys want to do it cool um I've always just the phrase that I've used is uh, top teach to the top of the class. Um, and that's what I was doing at Triton as well. Like whenever I was the Nogi teacher at Triton, I was just teaching to the top of the class. And by that, I mean, um, there are going to be things that people don't understand. Um, and that's fine. They'll catch up. Um, and basically instead of holding certain students back and um kind of i guess you could say babying certain students i i don't i don't do that at all i just teach the top and it forces everyone else to rise to the occasion and and it forces them to learn because they're they're not like oh um he's like uh, he's like spoon feeding me this like basic understanding of jujitsu like no i'm i'm trying to give you a bigger picture and you're going to figure it out and i don't know man i've i've really been surprised by the success like i've had guys over time where i'm like oh this guy is not really you know not really going to show any promise and then months later i'm like wow man you're you're way better than i thought you were going to be and uh um, one of my best friends, that's a great example of him is Connor. I don't know if you've seen Connor when Connor started, I was like, well, Hunter's going to be good, but I don't know if Connor's going to be that good. And then Connor picked up on all my leg lock stuff right away. And the funny thing is Connor will, Connor's like the first guy to be like, man, stop teaching all that leg lock stuff to the guys in the beginning. You got to teach all their basics. And I'm like, dude, what if I would have not taught you leg locks? You know what I mean? Like he's, he picked it up so quickly um, whenever he was like a blue belt. And uh, I just, I don't want people to get this idea of there's advanced jujitsu that we have to keep from them. And leg locks are included in that advanced jujitsu. 
like whenever they ask me, beginners will ask, am I allowed to go to that advanced class? I'm like, I want you to go to that advanced class. That's where you're going to learn the most. In the beginner's class, it's more like they're explaining how, how, what, why would we be doing this? It's like in the beginner class, they're more explaining it to someone um, who's used to street fights, you know? And they're like, so why are we in the guard? And it's like, well, if you got taken down, now you're here. And it's more like they're explaining it to someone looking at it from a civilian point of view, not like a jujitsu art, you know? Um, And I guess that would be the main difference. Whenever you're in my, whenever you're in my class, I'm teaching it as if it's like a, a beautiful thing, not this like, so how what does this have to do with fighting? You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Like, like in beginner class, they're teaching the basics of drawing and you're painting a a beautiful work of art. Yeah, they're trying to explain, like, this is where I put the line for the body, and this is where I put the lines for the legs and the arms, and I draw a circle on top. And I'm like, that's cool, but, like, why don't you just show them how to draw people? You know what I mean? I don't know. But, again, some people do need that. There are tons of people that are like, dude, I, 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 I'm not going to fit into that class. I'm going to start in the beginner's class. I feel more comfortable there. Fine. That's fine, man. I hope in a few years uh, that you're not going to feel that way. But if you get stuck in the beginner's class forever, fine. That's why it's there. But again, that's not my, I don't want to sound insensitive to those people, but that's not my mission right now. My mission is not grow this academy for everyone. My mission right now is grow this academy for my competitors so that we can have a room full of killers um, like I'm always interested in pushing towards our biggest school here is Broken Arrow. I just want to push into the Broken Arrow wrestling team. And those are, those are teenagers. They're not, they're not uh, businessmen with money that they can pay me. They're going to come in and train hard and they're going to talk to their friends about how hard it is. And the people that think they're, you know, the most badass wrestlers of Broken Arrow, I want them to come here so that they can up our level and, up their level whenever you know they go and do their thing as well and um you know you hear now like uh osu is kind of like a connecting point for people trying to get into like aka in the ufc so um i think there's like you said like we talked about there's formulas it's just trying to figure out how to use what's been given or what you can use you know like it's weird it's mad scientisty, man. Exactly. You know? yeah. It is. We're like we're over here making smoke with our chemicals and stuff. But so let me left out. Like I know a little bit about your story, man. Like we've hung out. Uh, you taught a seminar at my school. Like without me asking you two dozen questions on the topic, um, and just let you kind of go into it because I know you have a pretty incredible story. Like, in, in what ways did you just like po- not just lead you here, but like positively? change your life because i feel like that's a part of your story yeah man so jujitsu whenever whenever i was coming up um i i i was kind of like a a pretty violent kid but it was because of out of my insecurities i wasn't sure if i could protect myself um so i was getting in all these violent altercations um because of random past trauma and and 
it was fun. And like, uh, uh, but I knew like, this is going to end up bad. It actually really ended up bad. One time I got hit by a car and, uh, I, I remember I talking funny. about that. I was going to yeah. like lead out with like, so tell me about your traumatic brain injury. Yeah. But I <laughs> yeah. was like, let's just ask him how jujitsu is yeah. you know, a part of all of that. Yeah. I don't normally talk about the traumatic brain injury cause you know, random implications, but, uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I basically tried to fight a guy and it went the wrong way. And I was, you know, just intoxicated doing stupid stuff. And he hit me with his car and I flatlined. They had to shock me back twice. And, um, I was in the hospital for about a week. And then I was on like bed rest in my living room at my parents' house for like two months. And, uh, I went from like 165 to 140 and, just mentally, it really, really fucked with me. Um, my sense of emotions, my, my memory, um, my sense of smell, which isn't a big deal, but <laughs> um, all these things. But it also made me more obsessive than I already was. So the brain injury, in a way, helped me with jujitsu. And the brain injury pushed me away from MMA, which pushed me towards jujitsu. So there were ups and downs, but so I, I was at this point where I was this violent, insecure person and now my brain's fucked up. So I probably shouldn't fight either. And I needed something and jujitsu was perfect. Now I don't have this insecurity anymore and I still get to test, you know, like before I looked at me fighting as just tests. I still get to test myself every day, but it's not this negative, unhealthy, thing you know I, I'm hanging out with my friends we love each other and we're taking care of each other in a, the, the most healthy way you know um, but then there's also the other sides that jujitsu's helped me my my life now is jujitsu Pete my professor he's given me the opportunity for jujitsu to be my life and man for a long time um I thought that I was a happy guy because I was making money, um, but it wasn't, I wasn't making money in a legitimate way. And I was always looking over my shoulder and I was worried and, and I was not happy. And uh, one day I was in the shower and I realized that wasn't my life anymore. I realized that I was making money doing jujitsu and I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do. And I realized like I was out of it. Like I was out of the bad shit that I grew up in, man. And it, it I just broke down and cried. And I was like, yeah. I was like, how did I fucking live like that for so long and just accept it that like, no, this is what I got to do. And like, finally I'm happy. And I, I don't have to do anything like at all. I don't have to do anything. I don't want to do, man. Jiu-jitsu is 100% my life. My friends joke around. They're like, you should get a side job and make some more money. I'm like, why would I do that? Well, I'm here, dude. I made it. I made it. Why would I get a side job? Yeah, man. It blows my mind. It blows my mind, dude. It does. I had a similar incident like where I had been, Corey and I had been living in our house, right? So we lived in an apartment for like seven years that you came to that apartment, right? Yeah, yeah. Lived there forever. I was in college. Got my master's degree. Broke as fuck getting taken out student loans and stuff but dude like 
we've been living here for about a year. I had not even really, I don't even think I'd begun uh, teaching at the college at all, right? I think it was just all through the gym, right? Yeah. But when I realized, like, Cora's like, oh, my God, like, hey, we don't have 75 bucks. We usually have yeah. 75 bucks when all the bills yeah. are paid, but we have, you know, this much. And I was like, right. what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. but it was just like the the contrast, like what you're mm -hmm. saying, like, it was it was this it was like literally like oh man if my tire blows out this week i'm fucked you know yeah. yeah and it went from that to like oh hey do you did your car need new tires you know like because we can we could do that if we need to yeah and it, it, that that's contrasted like man i've heard a lot eddie bravo joe all these people talk about like that's in a big way making it man it's just not like being able to do your passion and not yeah. worry yeah Honestly, man, there was, it, it's that, but then it was also connected to so many other things, man. It was just, it was, it was honestly a moment of letting go. It's going to sound weird, but it was a moment of like letting go of self-hate. It was like, it was like, I don't know why, but all of a sudden it was like, man, you know, you're not doing those things you were doing and you're out of that hole and now you can love yourself. And it, That's big, it was, man. it was, it made me emotional, you know, it, it hit me really hard. And, um, yeah, man, it's been, it's been a couple years now that I've been running brothers and it still blows my mind that I'm able to do this. Cause I, for real, I thought I was going to be a homeless person. I, I really like, I joke with my friends. I'm like, dude, I'm just like this guy that's practically a homeless guy. And you guys are just pulling me up and they're like, man, you're doing great. And I'm like, I, I really, really appreciate everybody's help because like, it's so easy to fall into a hole, you know? And if you don't have, if you don't have like examples in your life of what things could be like, you don't have hope, you don't have ambition. And yeah, man, like Pete really just showed me all this is possible. You just have to take baby steps and keep working and be a good person. And I was like, dude, I'll, I'll fucking, I'll do my best. <laughs> and he's, well, he's yeah. helped me every step of the way, you know? Well, man, even before we ever had a conversation, right? And I know like this would probably be back when you had a lot going on. I don't know. It's like, I think I saw you for the first time when you were a blue belt, if I'm not mistaken, like at a Tulsa tournament or something. Yeah. But man, even when I didn't know you, I was looking at you being like, that dude's got something going on, right? Like, thanks, man. whatever, whatever it is, like, it was like, it wasn't just heel hooks. I would see you roll. And then, too, I liked your name. I'm like, and Jams? It's awesome. <laughs> or Just In Time? Whatever. Whatever you yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. But, yeah, seriously, like, I remember uh, us one day at, like, noon class. We were, like, this when I was, uh, this was probably, like, two or three years ago. Like, you had put out a video of, like, a reverse X to the far leg. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we were like huddled around, like watching it on the phone. Like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, we just That's couldn't awesome, get man. it, you know? That's like, so Cora awesome. took a picture of it. And, like, I remember like messaging you about it. But man, you've, you, the, but if you'd done that for me, like, I always like to bring this up to people is like, um, like one time, like me and my friend Nate were standing around Justin Raiders, like blowing our mind with gu guillotine information. We're just like, and my friend Nate, who's like, man, he's taught me so much. He's he had 31 pro fights, first degree black belt. 
he's he's just an amazing practitioner and he's like dude that guy's blowing my mind it's like well hey bro you you've on my mind many times like i look right. at you in a similar way that we look at him yeah 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 right and i think that i don't i like i don't uh i don't know like it's weird to like i don't want that validation i don't want people being like yeah brian is fire but it's an it's a byproduct of of what you're doing you know like yeah I'm like, oh, James, I, I want to do a podcast with him for all the reasons we talked about so far. Yeah. You know, it but- bums me out, man. People, um, people sometimes like the further you get up in competition, they make it seem like it's a bad thing to be fans of people's jujitsu. And I'm like, didn't, aren't we all fans of jujitsu? Like people like make fun of me because like I'll dick ride Gordon. And I'm like, dude, I love his jujitsu. I've been a fan of Gordon since I was a fucking blue belt. That's never going to change. I'm always going to be a huge fan. Do you know who Jason Ryan is? Oh yeah. Yeah. There there is no bigger Gordon Ryan dick rider than that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Jason's (laughs) Jason's hilarious, man. He cracks me up. Me too. He's been on the podcast, I think twice now. Yeah. He's, he's, that's uh, awesome. He's a good dude. He's come, he's come down and trained with me a couple of times. Yeah. uh, Well, if it's like Nate, the guy I mentioned, the Inferno gyms up Northwest Arkansas, he, um, he trains up there now. So. Right on, right on. Yeah. Well, bro, um, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I appreciate you taking the time. It's actually, I'm trying to talk to as many people attached to like the culture you're talking about as I can. I had Omar on. For sure. um, And and I'm going to try and grand, I had Molinax on the other day. I'll try and grand finale it all with Pete at the, for sure, I've made the rounds. But um, I really, really appreciate you taking the time, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, No worries. Right on. If if you ever want, um, I know, I uh, I had thought about coming on to talk about the match. If you ever want to talk about the match and like break yeah. it down, we could do yeah, that like maybe like a screen share or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we could like have the match on there. I can show you. Yeah, man. We did because that. Uh, comes out this Thursday. I did that with some Marcelo Garcia matches with one of oh, our right on. coaches last yeah, week. Yeah. So we can definitely do that. For sure, man. That'd be awesome. Right on, bro. Well, thanks so much, James. Uh, appreciate you, dude. Have a great day. You too, man.